You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. As we come into a new year, it's, um, it's not uncommon for people to evaluate their life and to think about what things do I want to do this year? Um, either you, some people call them resolutions. I'm going to change this. I'm going to improve that. And, um, and, and so that's not uncommon for that. I know last year, my youngest son, um, probably at the beginning of the year, said, um, he made this, in a conversation with Betsy, he said, I'm going to make some major changes in my life this year. And he didn't know what they were. He just knew that some things have to change. And uh, to his credit, he, they did. Um, you know, we got into the fall. He was wrestling with doing things and quit his job, went back to school, and he actually starts a new job tomorrow. Um, so really proud of him for just recognizing, you know what, I need to make a change. The path I'm on isn't where I want to go. I need to do something about that. And, and he did it. Um, I know Betsy had a, a desire. She wanted to go through the Bible in one year. And so she did this daily audio Bible. Some of you are doing that. Um, and so she, <laughs> there were some days like, I'm three days behind. I got to catch up. And, um, you know, but, but she did it. We got to the air and she did it. And so just really, this is uncommon, and we're not going to talk about me, um, what I accomplished this year, because it'd be a really, really short conversation. But uh, it's not uncommon as well for churches, as we start the new year, to, um, to go through a series, you know, or some kind of a, a topic that helps people set spiritual goals for the year. Um, you know, renew their efforts. You know, you want to, you know, try harder at certain things, and and for some of you, that's, that, may be, that may be important. Um, in fact, towards that end, um, I don't know that it's actually in your worship guide, but um, this coming Wednesday in Cornelius uh, at 7 o'clock, Pastor Farrell is holding a seminar on how to, how to develop a spiritual growth plan. So if you're interested in, right, how do I do this? How do I kind of lay this out? He's actually holding a workshop seminar um, for all the campuses uh, who want to attend. Uh, and uh, so that's 7 o'clock Wednesday, and it'll be the, in Cornelius. Um, but from a sermon series standpoint, we thought we'd actually take a little different track. And um, so today we're actually starting a three-week series that we think deals with things like hope and expectations and promise and possibilities. And uh, in fact, if you see in your worship guide, the outline, the, the title of this series is God is Bigger. And we're looking at the person of Gideon in the book of Judges. Um, and uh, it's a fascinating story. Um, let me give you a little context as, uh, before we actually read the passage for this morning. So the Israelites, if you're familiar with some of the Old Testament history, they were in Egypt, they were enslaved, they, then they went in, Moses led them through the wilderness, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they went into, finally they went into the promised land. And, um, and so... As they went in, you know, Moses died, and Joshua then was the leader. And while Joshua was leading, it says that they, they found peace, that they went in, they settled the land, they, they uh, you know, were able to displace the, you know, the people who were there and, and claim the territory as their own, and, and they, they successfully occupied that territory. And, but it was interesting, as Joshua was getting old, he warned the people. He actually said this. He said, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. So he warned them and says, listen, all this we're enjoying right now, this peace and prosperity and all the things that's happening, it won't last if you turn your backs on God. And so he warns them. But while Joshua's alive, 
the people did follow the Lord. But what happened then when Joshua and his generation, so all those who, who experienced the wilderness, all those who saw and experienced God's miraculous um, deeds on their behalf, when they died, things began to change. The remaining generations did not have a personal experience with God. All they had were the stories. And the stories were not enough to keep them from turning their backs on God. And they began to worship foreign gods. And so what would happen, we begin this cycle where they would turn their back on God. They would go into sin. They worship other gods. God would allow neighboring armies to come in and occupy or conquer or they were enslaved. A lot of little terrible things. And, but then the Israelites would cry out to God, say, God, save us. And God would send a deliverer. They referred to them as a judge. That God would send the judge to deliver them from the evil. And as long as that judge was alive, the people followed God and things were good. The day after that judge died, it seems like they turned their backs on God and they fell away and then the cycle repeated itself. And so in the book of Judges, we see this cycle happening. In fact, in the first few chapters, we see this happen four times. Three different judges are identified, or actually four different judges are identified, three men and actually a woman. Deborah um, was a judge who actually delivered Israel from one of the occupying forces and restored, um, restored godliness to the people of Israel. And then we get to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, at this point, Israel has been, the, 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 the prior judge is gone, and so they're now, they've turned their backs on God again, and now the Midianites... A neighboring group have come and occupied and have been essentially, um, um, they're controlling this whole region and territory. And things are really bad. The Midianites would actually come through and they would kill and destroy all their livestock. Um, They would take any grains, anything, any harvest, they would steal them. And what was left, if they didn't steal it, they would destroy it. So they literally were just continually taking and taking and taking and so that the Israelites literally were living in caves and they were hiding out and this is where we pick up our story with Gideon. So if you have your Bible um, or if you want to read, uh, follow along with me or I'm reading from Judges chapter 6, I'll be starting with verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the example we have of Gideon. 
And uh, as we dig a little deeper into this little uh, episode in his life, I pray that you'd help us understand more about your nature, more about you, more about your greatness. And uh, Father, I thank you again for what you're doing amongst us and continue and pray that that would continue in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things that continue to frustrate me um, is the manner in which we generally engage perspectives different from ours in social media. Um, More recently, we've seen that some of you may be aware that Christianity Today, the editor came out in an editorial um, and, and basically advocated for the removal of President Trump. And so what has happened now within Christian circles, you've got this posturing, you've got those who support that position and those who are against it and, and think. And what's really a little disconcerting is the fact that it's really been picked up by the media. They're, they're watching the Christians have a public fight, which is not a good thing. Um, I'm not surprised there's disagreement. I really am not. I mean, because it is, it is, he's a polarizing individual. Whether you like him or not, you've got to admit that he's a polarizing individual. And here's the other thing too, as I've read different accounts, there are some valid points on both sides. There really are. Um, but what's really surprising to me is that some have actually linked this issue to faith. They've gone so far as to say, you can't be a good Christian if you want to remove him. And I've already other say, you can't be a good Christian if you want to remove him. That somehow that, posi- that posture is the barometer in which we're evaluating, assessing our faith. Um, so here's what I've noticed, though. That even though one thing is being said, that here's the conversation, we tend to focus on something altogether. We focus on one thing either because it serves our own purposes. Sometimes there is a political agenda. You see different people posturing and you realize they're just taken out of context because it serves them. Some people, though, do this because they really can't help themselves. In that sense that that's just how they view it. I mean, that's just how they view the world. That's how they view their reality. And it's just how they view their their circumstances. But they have this way of hearing one thing but actually focusing on something else. Such was the case with our person Gideon. He heard the angel say one thing. I'm sorry, the angel said one thing, but he heard something entirely different. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon heard the Lord is with you and then stopped listening. He didn't hear the idea of mighty warrior. Instead, he began to question, where's God? God is with you. And he's like, wait a minute, God is with you. Where, how, how can you say that? Why, is, why are we in this condition? And for the next few minutes, that's all he focused on. He, he didn't, the whole idea of mighty warrior, he's like, wait a minute, what? What are you talking? He completely disregarded that, was focusing on something else. God was about to do so much more. But Gideon was limited by how he viewed his own circumstances. So I have to ask, as we begin a new year, What is God speaking to you about what lies ahead in your life? What might God want to do in you? What might God want to do through you? Like Gideon, are you hearing only part of what God wants to do? What God can do in and through your life is not based on your ability, 
but rather it's based on your availability. So for the next few minutes, we're going to take a closer look at Gideon's life and an encounter with his angel and see what we might learn from it. Now, before we do this, let me ask you this. Have, any, have anyone ever heard someone say to a child, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up? Okay? Now, we know that's not really entirely true. Ideally, we like it. We understand. But it's really not necessarily true because the direction we go in life is really a function of three different things. One is capacity. What are you able, what are you capable of doing? The second one is motivation. Are you motivated to actually get there? And third is opportunity. Do you actually have opportunity to do what you're called to do, what you want to do? So let's just talk about this idea of a surgeon. So let's just say you have an aspiration to be a surgeon. Well, a surgeon, look at, with this idea, do you have the capacity to be a surgeon? I mean, there is incredible education that you have to undergo. I mean, just the physiology, learning all the body, and just there's incredible things you have to be able to learn and memorize and know. And, and do you have the capacity to do that, knowledge-wise, but then can you actually do it? You know, it's one thing to know what to do, but can you actually perform surgery, um, or are you all thumbs? Um, you know, hopefully our surgeon is one who has skill and is able to do it. But you realize capacity is a big deal. So even if you say, hey, I want to be a surgeon when I grow up, but if you don't have the capacity to study, you don't have the capacity to, to learn and to understand or to actually perform surgery, you're going to be limited and be able to do this. So capacity is part of that. The other part of that is motivation. I mean, well, four years, I mean, went down to high school, then you've got four years of college. And then, on top of that, four years of medical school. And then, on top of that, there's often four years of residency. And then there's stuff on top of that. I mean, so there's... Are, people who do this are really motivated to get there, and they really, they're willing to sacrifice to get there. So motivation's a big part. You could have all the capacity in the world. You could be an incredible brainiac, and you could have the most skill of anybody in the world. But if you're not motivated to actually do it, you're not going to actually get there. Third one is opportunity. So you need a path forward. You could have the ability, you could have the skill, you could be incredibly motivated, but if you don't have opportunity, then you're not going to be able to do that. Now, for again, with this idea of a surgeon, the traditional path is you go to college and med school, and, and, but the problem for so many anymore today is that it's so costly. We can't afford that. And so the path forward for you is, is not there. You know, you, again, you have capacity, you have motivation, but if you don't have opportunity, then you're not able to do that. Now, with these in mind then, capacity, motivation, and opportunity, what can we learn from Gideon's encounter with this angel? So I think one of the things that we can learn is that God sees and relates to you as you can be, not as you are. Self-awareness is a tricky thing. Have you ever met someone at work who thought more highly of themselves than they should? I mean, they just think they're the answer to everything and that they're arrogant and a little cocky and you realize, yeah, they're not all that. And they're frustrating to work with. They are. But what I found is even a little bit more frustrating is, is the opposite person as well, is that... 
there's few things more disappointing than I think when you see someone who has capacity far beyond their current role and they just don't see it. That they don't see themselves as being capable of doing more and they've become content to stay with what they're doing and they can't see themselves as anything other than what they currently are. The angel said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Until that moment, Gideon was anything but a mighty warrior. He was a farmer, and just like the rest of the Israelites, he had been hiding from the Midianites just trying to survive. And yet, that's not what God saw in Gideon. God had, Gideon had capacity he didn't even know about. But God saw it. God knew what was in Gideon. God saw in Gideon the ability to do things he never dreamed he could do. What might God see in you? What hopes and dreams might be lying dormant deep in your heart? Like Gideon, you have capacity you don't even know about. So God sees and relates to you as you can be, not as you are. Second, Move forward confident of God's presence and provision. Few things kill motivation like fear. Fear that it won't work. Fear that I won't be accepted. Fear that it will fail. Fear that we'll be worse off than before. You know what the worst thing is about fear? You spend the rest of your life wondering what might have been. Would I have succeeded? What would be different about my life today had I taken that chance? Notice, however, that the angel never says to Gideon that it would be easy. He didn't say, hey, this is going to be a cakewalk. You know, this is going to be great. You're going to love this. What did he say? He said on two occasions in that encounter, in two occasions he said, I will be with you. Time and again in the Bible, we are promised God's presence with us through life's challenges. Moses, when he talked to Joshua, right before Joshua was to lead the Israelites into the promised land, he told them, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. David, in writing one of his psalms, the Psalm 23rd, the 23rd Psalm, one where many of us are already familiar with, He recognized this and said, even though I walk through the the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then Paul tells us in Hebrews, he says, God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing what God has put in our heart in spite of our fear, trusting that he will be with us. Also from the story of Gideon, we learn that we shouldn't allow our circumstances to determine our belief about God and his word. Our opportunities in life are often determined by our circumstances. Um, as a 58-year-old male, um, my circums are such that I will never, 
replace Luke Keekley as the middle linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. As much as I would like to. Um, that would be cool. But anyway. <laughs> However, so, so that, th- those are my circumstances. That is a reality. However, opportunity is often, often a matter of perception. What was Gideon's perception of his circumstances? His, his response was, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Was his perception accurate? Possibly. But with God, we have a wild card in the game of life. God can change circumstances. Circumstances change, but God never changes. We need to choose to view our circumstances through God instead of viewing God through our circumstances. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to see just how God changes the circumstances for Gideon, allowing him to defeat the Midianites in ways that he never could have dreamt of ahead of time. Number four, choose to act your way into effectiveness. In uh, 2011, actually it may have been toward the end of 2010, um, God put it in our hearts to move from Connecticut to the Charlotte area to be near Betsy's parents um, at this season of their lives. Um, circumstances were terrible. Um, I don't know if you remember 2010, 2011. I mean, the economy was still reeling from the, um, the housing crash in 2008. Connecticut was worse than Charlotte. I mean, it was just really bad. I think within a matter of eight, nine months, I saw on paper the value of our house decrease $100,000 just within a matter of a few months. So it was, they were severely bloated, and that's, but that's what was happening um, up there. And so the timing was terrible. But I just, I just read this uh, book, uh, two books actually, John Ortberg's, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat, and then uh, Erwin McManus, um, called The Barbarian Way fantastic book. You take your degree in a couple hours. But these, both these kind of books, it's like, I'm ready to do anything. You know, let's, let's just go for God and uh, kind of a thing. And so I, my response was, we were talking, I said, let's just put the house on the market and see what happens. The house sold, r- relatively speaking, sold really fast. And um, all right, now what's the next step? And we take the next step and all right, then what's the next step? And before we know it, in August of 2011, we moved down here and we had a place to stay in Denver free of rent. Um, we had enough money coming in so that we didn't have to touch the proceeds from the sale of our house in Connecticut. We were able to actually to keep that. And here's what I learned and what Gideon is about to learn in the days ahead is that too often we wait for God to make the first move when he's waiting for us to take a simple step of faith. Choose to take a step. A step, especially if you don't have faith for everything. Just take one step. Just take that first step. And maybe your first step is to actually talk to people to find out what your first step needs to be. Collect information. Collect the data that you need to actually take one step and just to see, is this what God would want us to do? Lastly, God works through your weakness for his glory. 
In so much of life, we're taught to exploit the weaknesses of others. In sports, I mean, in team sports, you find the weakest person on the other side and you go at them until the other team does something to stop you. And that's just, that's the nature of sports. You find the weakest link and you exploit that to your benefit. We see it in politics, in business. You, you, you exploit the weaknesses of others in order to advance your own self. With God, it's just the opposite. Rather than exploit or condemn us for our weaknesses, God chooses to use them in a positive way. Gideon was saying, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Now, um, one note about that, that response is cultural. You notice that in other places in the Old Testament where somebody says something and they say, oh, not me, I'm just, I, it's, 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 it's kind of the, they're being self-deprecating. They're kind of, oh, I'm, you know, they're just kind of downplaying their significance. It's a cultural thing. Um, he's, but I think what we see from Gideon, though, is that he believed it. Even though that was still a, prop, a cultural response, there is this sense, though, the way he behaves, that he actually did believe it. And as we'll see in the next few weeks, Gideon's perception of a weakness is exactly, exactly what God needed to do what he wanted to do. There is no limit to what God can do as you simply make yourself available. So as we begin the new year of 2020, what might God be saying to you? Do you see more, does he see more capacity in you than you see in yourself? Has fear affected your motivation to move forward? Have you let your current circumstances limit your faith? Here's what I know. God is able. He's able to turn opposition into opportunity. He's able to turn devastating circumstances into places of blessing. He's able to turn weakness into strength. And he's able to turn your past into a better present and future. God is able. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Gideon. And even this this brief encounter, a, a, a conversation between he and this angel. Lord, there's so much that we can observe and see about how he viewed himself and how you viewed him. And Father, I know that Many of us struggle with the same thing. We don't view ourselves in the way you do. Lord, I I ask and pray that you would speak to our hearts now. Lord, some of us have dreams that we've allowed to just be dormant in our hearts. Some of us have ideas and plans that have died. Father, this morning, may they come back to life. Lord, I'm just believing that this year of 2020 is one of these years where you accomplish in us things that we never thought possible. Lord, whether it's as individuals, as a family, or even as a collective congregation, Lord, may we allow you to work in us and through us like you did Gideon. Father, we don't let our circumstances dictate our response. Sometimes, Father, that's just simply taking a simple step taking that one step and just seeing what happens and then taking the next step and then the next step. And before we know it, we turn around and we look at, we're nowhere near where we used to be and 
and so, such a, a much better, better place. So Heavenly Father, I pray that um, you would continue to speak to our hearts and to our lives. And Lord Jesus, that um, you would give us the courage to believe, the courage and the strength, Lord God, to move forward as you would lead us. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.